Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This weekend, NASCAR heads to the Irish Hills, where Kyle Larson is looking to add his name to the record books with a fourth straight win. But will the big three of Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. stop his quest for glory? Or maybe a first-timer getting that long-anticipated victory? We'll get you ready for Michigan right now on NASCAR America. Hi, everyone. Marty Snyder from NBC Sports Charlotte at the Big Oak Table with Jeff Burton and Nate Ryan. And Jeff's got his keys just in case he wants to leave <laughs> midway through. The, you're going to stay for the whole show, right? Well, normally people ask me to leave the show, so oh, I'm just okay. prepared. We want you to stay, though, Jeff. We want you to stay and talk about okay. Michigan, which I know was one of your favorite racetracks, right? Got to be <laughs> got to be high on the Jeff Burton list? No? I, uh, my cup career in Michigan was just, let's just say, less than stellar. <laughs> I did win our rock race there. Oh, and I didn't. I did not I see did that in the stats. I did win race there, but but uh, I don't think I ever won anything that had cup ridden near it. IROC's not a points race, right? No, <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did the IROC series point there race. There was there was really the standings race. that matter so much. There was an IROC championship to be won. To be won right? second that Why year. was it so hard on you then, Mark Jeff? Martin? Because I, I wasn't good there. I don't know why. I, I, uh, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Well, when people ask, well, so when people ask you, why are you good here? Right. You don't really know is the truth because, like, I wasn't good at Michigan, and I didn't really know why. I ran good yeah. there in an Xfinity car. I won IROC race there, but in a cup car, I just never ran well. I never could figure it out, right? No, never I mean, if you're not good, we shouldn't ask you why because if you knew why, you would be good. <laughs> Thank you. It's a great This point. is the same conversation I, I have with my math teacher, my <laughs> science teacher. It's the same conversation I had. <laughs> In all seriousness, it is a very important racetrack. We, we we joke it's always in the manufacturer's backyard. But yes, Roger Penske and his, his cup drivers will tell you that's his home track. He wants them to perform well in his home track. And one of his drivers as well, Marty, Brad Keselowski's never won there. And that's his home track. And yeah, it means a lot to Roger Penske. All of his businesses are nearby. Jack Roush, same thing. Roush Industries just up the road. And of course, if you're a Ford or Chevy driver, you absolutely want to win there because it's in the backyard of the guys who are paying the bills. All right, here's the cup playoff standings as we head to Michigan this weekend. And uh, I tell you what, we've always been wondering who's going to challenge these big three. What jumps out to you guys when you look at the playoff standings? Uh, it's getting tight around that cutoff line, which we'll start focusing on the next 10 weeks. Well, what I see is not a lot of winners. And, and without a lot of winners, I think points become even that more important the further back you get. We've been seeing that point battle around ninth position being the, the place where you have to be. But now, with only six winners, you know, this conversation could go back to 12th or 13th to, to determine right. the last spot. So uh, if you're Eric Jones, Stenhouse, Bowman, Menard, you better be thinking about points right now. Yeah, it's not good for the drivers because I think it's going to get more and more uncomfortable as we get more, late, deeper and deeper in the regular season. But I think it's great for us because in terms of storylines, that the fewest number of drivers who have made the, um, the playoffs on points I think was five in 2015. So I think this year, six winners so far, I think you could have maybe 10 tops. I think you could have six, maybe even seven or eight points 
uh, positions for the playoffs, and that could be really, really interesting over the remaining races of the regular season. Well, one prospect we've been talking about, about who could join those big three, maybe in the championship four in Miami, is Kyle Larson, who's 10th in the playoff standings this weekend at Michigan. He has a chance to join a very elite club with his fourth straight win in the Irish Hills. So in the 70-year history of the series, it's only happened 13 times with the driver winning four straight at the track. Bill Elliott, he was pretty good in the 80s at, uh, at Michigan, wasn't he, Jeff? Yeah, I'd say he was pretty good everywhere. Bill Elliott was <laughs> so much fun to watch, and, and he would dominate. He, he wouldn't win by a little bit. He would just dominate places. <laughs> he would destroy the field. I think Talladega and Earnhardt, that kind of went together. And, and, of course, Dale Sr., very good at the racetrack. He won 10 times. But Dale Jr. won four in a row at the racetrack and had a very memorable victory lane interview, Nate. Yeah, he punctuated that fourth <laughs> straight win with uh, an epithet that we will never forget. Yes. Uh, and it actually cost him some points in the standings that year. So. Doesn't mean anything because Daddy won here 10 times. Hey, how about Lowe's Motor Speedway, Jeff? Jimmy Johnson, he always called it his house for a reason, right? Well, he did, and, and, you know, he rewrote the history book there. It was crazy what he did, and he just made it look so easy, and uh, it won so many races. Four-race win streak was unbelievable, but all the things he did before and after that four-week streak is pretty amazing. And as we are talking about, he's, he was the house car there. Yeah, back in the day <laughs> when it was Lowe's Motor Speedway, he was driving the Lowe's car. And, of course, Kevin Harvick at ISM Raceway. He was incredible at Phoenix and, and went on to win again there this year. For a track record ninth win at Phoenix. Yeah, ever since they reconfigured that track, Marty, and Kevin Harvick was just lights out from 2011 onward and just been unbeatable. I don't know if that dominance has started to fade a little bit, but he's uh, got the style that matches that track perfectly. What's interesting about those streaks is like you go back and talk about to Harvick, and he's like, hey, he used to run late models there. He ran touring series cars there. He, you know, he has a lot of track experience, and he says that's why he's so good at Phoenix. But then you go to Jimmy Johnson. He didn't run late models there, right? <laughs> right, like, right, so, right, right? So it's really interesting how drivers will get on a roll somewhere and why can they win so many races in a row back-to-back at a particular racetrack. It's really no, it's hard to really go back and track and understand why. Larson going for the fourth straight at Michigan this weekend, as we mentioned. But before we get to that, I want to know from your guys' opinion, we've talked about him maybe being that fourth of the big, you know, big four that's going to make it to the championship four in Miami. Do you think he's that fourth driver? I think the only way he's that fourth driver is that whatever Chevrolet is missing to this point, they're going to have to find. They're going to have to find a way collectively to be better. I think that Kyle Larson is not racing the same speed that other people are racing. So to get all the way to Homestead and have a shot to win Homestead, they're going to have to find some speed. And I don't think that's isolated to just his team. I think it's a, a Chevrolet is a little bit behind his team is going to have to be the team that gets the most out of that Chevrolet. And once somebody figures out how to get the most of it, it will be competitive. And But that's really the key, in right. my opinion. I will say, if he gets to Miami, then suddenly he's a championship favorite because he's so good at that track. But I think Jeff's right that, for whatever reason, the Camaro hasn't quite been optimized yet. They've been the closest, though. And I think if you look at Sunday at Pocono, they kept the big three fairly honest. I mean, he finished second because... They gutted it out on strategy and, you know, keeping up with the track. And so I think the fact that Kyle Larson showed Harvick and Truex and Kyle Busch that, hey, I can be a part of this, even though you guys are the big three, means something. So when we talked about the, you know, him going to, you know, win, you know, four in a row. So does that mean that there's more pressure on him this week? And, and, point, yeah. and does that mean there's yeah. more pressure on Chevrolet? Because you know as well as I do <laughs> that if he goes to, to, to Michigan and he doesn't run well, 
pressure, that pressure screw gets turned a little yeah. bit mm -hmm. tighter because now it's okay, well, Kyle Larson can't run well in Michigan. You know, what's wrong with the Chevrolets even more? So uh, this is, in my opinion, this is a very important race. It's early in the year still, but this is a very important race because you're probably not gonna flip the switch and all of a sudden start running great. It's gonna be a progression of running a little better than running a little better. And when you go somewhere that you're really good and you have a driver that's really good, that's a place that you need to be able to perform on. So do you think the Chevys are good enough to win right now, Nate? I don't think based on past results, but I think that Michigan gives them a chance. Uh, I think it's a little bit more of a horsepower track and uh, aerodynamics matter. But I think if you're Hendrick Motorsports uh, and you look at Chase Elliott's recent record there, I, I think that they could look at, at Michigan as being a place where they could be a little bit better. You look at Larson's wins, they, they've almost come, Jeff, all at one racetrack. I mean, check this out. They've come at two-mile racetracks, and, and three of the five have come at Michigan. What does that really say about the career projection for him, you think? Well, so what's interesting about this is I get Fontana because Fontana is slick. People like running the top, running all over the racetrack, and I think that's Kyle Larson's strength. Absolutely. Why Michigan? Why Michigan? Right. High grip two-mile racetrack, when I think about that, I don't think of Kyle Larson. I think of places that get slick, lose grip, Kyle's willing to move around the racetrack. But Michigan has been the place that he's been the most successful. The majority of his wins overall have come in Michigan. And, and there has to be something to do with the feel he has for the racetrack, obviously, understanding what he, he knows what a car needs to feel like. Uh, he probably, my, my gut tells me, he probably runs a car a little bit freer than some other people, and that probably helps him some at Michigan on a track that it has a lot of grip. If you can run that thing a little bit free and deal with it, it makes everything easier. A guy that likes a tight car on a high-grip racetrack, it gets hard on the right front tire. It's hard to go good on long run. So I think that's why at Michigan, but... If you said to me what what racetrack was Kyle Larson <laughs> right. going for four in a row, right. my initial pick wouldn't be Michigan. Well, I think he reminds me a little bit of Dale Jr. Where Dale Jr. had a lot of success at Michigan, he loves running the high line. And when I think of Kyle Larson, I think of a guy who likes running the outside. So maybe there's a common denominator. And he's done it a lot of different ways, too, because he's led laps there. He had an incredible restart on Truex a couple of years ago to steal a win. So it's not like he's been the dominant driver there, Jim. Well, that was the mo that to me, that restart, this restart right here, this was the Kyle Larson moment. This was... How many times did we saw, see Kyle Larson get himself in position to win races and blow it? Not be big enough for the moment. And, and I don't say that as a, as a, you know, some sort of huge negative. He's learning how to win races. And, and it's hard to win these races against people that have done it this long. It really is. That race was the one that I said, okay. <laughs> that Kyle Larson <laughs> took it to them. Late in the race, he had a chance, and he went and won that race. And I thought that was the defining moment at that point for Kyle Larson. That was his, okay, I'm here, I belong here, I've learned how to win this race. That was huge in the progression for Kyle Larson. I tell you, another guy looking forward to Michigan this weekend, Martin Truex Jr. And you can read his quotes from his press release earlier this week, and you can just tell, Jeff, this is a place that's really bothered him. They have not been able to get into victory lane. You ever had a, a racetrack you felt like kind of owed you one? Like, you know, clearly you can read Truex's quote here. He feels like this place owes him a win. Well, I think that, I think that you know, what I always felt like that, okay, we have the speed, but we haven't capitalized. We've had, we had a bad break or whatever. And then, but the ones that you go back and, and deliver on are the ones where you felt like you had the race won and you might have screwed it up. Right. And so you learn from that and you want to go back and you want to apply it and you want to put yourself in that same position. You want to conquer that demon, so to speak. 
and and I messed up, the team messed, whatever. This is our chance to go and get this win. And clearly from Martin's comments there, he feels like this is one of those places. And, and Nate Martin told me a couple of weeks ago, we've, we've intentionally spent time focusing on places, things that we haven't done well to be able to get better. Is that kind of what you feel like you need to do as a championship contending team yeah, and it, trying to repeat? It's, it's weird, Marty, because this team obviously is now a championship team. So they're not viewed as the underdog anymore. But I feel as if they still have that underdog mentality and that they've always been, we're the team from Denver, Colorado, that's the upstarts here. We're going to upset the establishment. And I think Crew Chief Cole Pern instills that within his guys. Like they almost have this kind of like pirate vibe that we're, we're different from anybody else in the garage. They all have that's the awesome. thick beards and everything like that. And I think, you know, when you look at this team, they like challenges. They like proving people wrong. And I think Homestead Miami Speedway last year was a good example of that. They went there, they won the race, they win the championship. That wasn't a good track for Martin in the past. Same with restrictor plate tracks. He's not very strong at the plate tracks, and they've talked about, we want to win Talladega and Daytona and check that off. And I think Michigan, especially the way that it got away from them last year with Larson, I feel like this is unfinished business for them. I think that you're 100, I, I think what he says 100% right. I think that internally in that garage, when Cole Pern and that team, they walk through the garage, they have a tremendous amount of respect. But I think that outside of that garage, people just have not gotten to the place where they say Furniture Row Racing right. and Martin Truex Jr. are equivalent to or better than Hendrick Motorsports. They don't get that respect that they deserve outside of that garage. Because when you think about, if you named, okay, what are the top three racing companies in NASCAR, no one says Furniture Row Racing. Probably not. Right? They say no. Hendrick, they say Gibbs, Penske, they say Penske. Gibbs, yeah. Where's for, why, why don't you say Furniture Row? So you're, you're sitting and, there still and, playing with a chip on their shoulder. Yes. Yeah. Because, and they should. They've taken the fight to all those big teams. They have the same access to equipment that Gibbs has, and they run as good, if not better, than Gibbs. And they still, when you, when you if I ask you to name the best teams in racing, Nine people out of ten would not say furniture row racing. And they know that. And I think that I think you're right. I think yeah. they have a chip on their shoulder about it. They do take pride in the fact of the whole Denver thing. They love to play that card, oh, yeah. Nate. And, and yeah. you've talked to Cole about that before. They love that aspect of, of that's part of their DNA. Yeah, they like being rebels. I mean, they truly like the fact that they are doing things differently. And they believe it's a part of their success. They believe the fact that... They're not part of, you know, you, you could put a hermetically sealed bubble over the 50-mile radius <laughs> yeah. where we're sitting right here in the Charlotte area. They're not part of that bubble. And I think that they think that's a key to their success. You know what's funny about what's them? What's that? Is they think they're rebels, but they're all engineers. <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> I mean, true. Right? That's true. this Everyone. is the modern rebel team in right. NASCAR. Yeah. 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 Well, we can't talk about Michigan recently, right, without talking about Chase Elliott and all those second-place finishes and his Really, his disappointment, Jeff, after those second-place finishes and how he kind of handled things. Nate, do you, do you feel like it's a fair thing to say this is a barometer race for the nine team? Because, look, we know their success at this racetrack in his career, in his cup career. Look at this. He's going to finish fourth and eight. Right. I mean, clearly, Marty, this track seems to fit Chase Elliott's style. The way we were talking about earlier, what Jeff said about Kyle Larson, for some reason, Michigan seems to suit Chase well. And I think that Michigan is a barometer track for teams. When you think about the August race at Michigan – that's when a lot of teams tend to roll out what they're going to have for the playoffs. And, and this is the track in which they tested. As I said earlier, horsepower is important here. Aerodynamics are important. And I think if you're a Hendrick team like, like Chase Elliott, and you know the record Chase Elliott has had there recently, three straight 
Uh, second place finishes at one point. I think they view this as an opportunity, even though they haven't run up to that level yet so far this year. And, and Chase Elliott needs a win. Absolutely. Chase yeah, Elliott absolutely. needs a win. Hendrick Motorsports needs a win. You know, Chase Elliott's come so close. And we, and, and we all know he's a really good race car driver, but he needs that moment where he finds a way, his team finds a way to take it from everyone else. And, and instead, every time he's put himself in that position, either he made a mistake or something just happened, you know, that was out of his control, whatever it is. But from his interviews, he owns all those things, right? He never just, yeah. rarely does he just to say, a fault yes. Does he so own himself? Chase Elliott and that team, they need a win. They need, they need something really good to happen for them. And this is a racetrack that, you know, clearly he's run very well on. And again, if, if they've moved their program far, far enough along, he, he will have a chance as well. The big question is, speed-wise, does Hendrick Motorsports have enough of that to be able to get to victory lane? And that's what we're going to have to find out in yeah. the summer months. Hadn't seen it yet. That's that's very good point. So still ahead on NASCAR America, Goodyear is bringing a new tire to Michigan this weekend, and Brad Kozlowski's not very happy about it. But what are the mayor's thoughts on that topic? Michigan has also been on the NASCAR schedule for 50 years and has produced many iconic moments. We'll reveal what made our cut for the top five. And one of the feel-good stories of the weekend is Garrett Smithley making his Cup Series debut at Michigan. We'll examine the long road it took to make it to NASCAR's highest level here on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. on the verge of winning their first ever Stanley Cup. They can wrap it up tonight in Las Vegas. Coverage begins with NHL Live immediately following NASCAR America. Hey, one of our own Jeremy Rolnick got there a little early and decided to take some hot laps with Las Vegas' own Brendan Gaughan. Let's go. 165, here we come. Oh gosh! Whoa, look at this, man. Look at the tilt on this. Man, I, Jeff, I, I really feel like he should have called you for some advice on this, maybe. I mean, well, first of all, don't ride with Brendan Gaughan would have been number one. Number two would have been what? I wonder if Brendan Gaughan never quit talking, that's for sure. And then, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, those things are fun to do. And listen, I'm pulling for a... Vegas win tonight. I am so playoff too, to be hockey honest with you. Continue on. I know it's so much fun. You went to you went to some playoff hockey. And I did. Loved it, it. Kind of fell in love. It's a great time. It's so much fun. Could you have given Jr. some advice, Nate? I, not really. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I've never <laughs> driven one of those things at the speeds that Jeff has. I've ridden and I've ridden enough to know short tracks are not fun. I think he was in the right spot. I think Las yes. Vegas Motor Speedway would be a little bit better acclimation. Probably. See, I don't understand that because you know you wreck care. harder going faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I've done it on short tracks and super speedways as a ride along, and, and I'm just telling you, short guy, tracks are tough. But this is a guy that interviews drivers and <laughs> right. has conversations and with them. Doesn't actually drive. And he still sits in the <laughs> car. With exactly. Him. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Well, manage. keep an eye out for the JRPs tonight. Going to be a lot of fun. And since he won't brag about it, I will also check out the latest NASCAR America debrief, debrief podcast. Dale Earnhardt Jr. explained how he has instant recall from all of his wins with Nate. Rutt asked you to name the two people who finished behind you in your two Michigan wins during yeah. NASCAR America, and you knew it right off the bat, which I think surprised you as totally. well. Totally. Yeah. Can you do that with all 26 of your career wins? Maybe. Really? Yeah. Dale has information, Nate, that you absolutely That's, will not see coming. 
All right, so that's one of those things like if I said, give me the lyrics to this song, you couldn't do it. But if, if a song in your phone, you might not be able to do it, write it down. But if I played it on the radio or you're riding around in your car, you could sing it word for word. So that's kind of how you retain some of that information. You know, I don't know if I could write it down on a sheet of paper, everybody that ran second in every win. But if I watched a clip of the race, it would spur that knowledge. Go, I'm, I'm going to yeah. guess 75%. If you if we showed you like a four-second clip of each race I could do win. every one. If I get four seconds of every win, I could, do, I could probably do 100%. Wow. That's pretty impressive, I have to say, He's by the way. Incredible recall. Yeah. Yes, he does have yeah. very good recall. Could you do the same thing or not? I could have. Uh, about six years ago, I could <laughs> seem like I could remember late model races. I feel like we have a new Wednesdays with Dale Jr. segment, by the way, here. Yeah, because it could be. Like, right. Name that tune. Name right. that race result. Here are four seconds, Dale Jr. Tell us what happened. We can do it's that a good with point. Burton, too. Here's four seconds. Tell us what happened. So the question is, does anybody check after him to make sure he's right? Or are we just trusting him that he remembers? He was right yesterday. <laughs> by the way, do you want to you read this promo oh, real quick? Sure. I'd be happy to. Be sure to subscribe to the NASCAR America Debrief Podcast. It's available now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You say that every time after one of your podcasts, don't week. you? Yes. <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> hey, real quick, we want to give a shout-out to 26-year-old Garrett Smithley, who will be making his Cup Series debut this weekend at Michigan. Smithley will drive the number 99 Chevrolet for Starcom Racing. He'll be teaming up with our colleague, Landon Castle, who is in the double zero this weekend. So who is Garrett Smithley? Well, he is in his third year in the Xfinity Series, but his cup debut marks the culmination of a rise up the racing ladder, which began back in 2007. He also has a very unique background with extensive experience in theater and singing, which he will tell you really gives him the confidence he needed to pursue a racing career. Now we're focusing on, on one driver here, Jeff, but it's always cool to hear these very unique stories of how these drivers make it to the Cup Series, isn't it? There is no, like, certified path. Here's what you do to get the <laughs> Cup race. It's just not. And But what a special moment, you know, to, to be on the grid on Sunday when, you know, you go to driver's introductions in the national anthem and you get in that car and you fire that Cup car up for the first time to run your first Cup race. I'm telling you, that is a moment that he will never forget. And, and... It's such an honor because you, you know, your driver's introductions and you're standing there with Jimmy Johnson. You're standing there with Kurt Busch and Kevin Harvick. And it's just, it's such a, an amazing experience. And what a cool thing for a young man like that. You saw him there running Legends cars. And I, I think certainly a unique path up through that. Ran at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Right? We, we ran against him a lot. Great kid, great family. But one of the most unique parts about Garrett's story, I think, is that he was an instructor at the Richard Petty Driving Experience. So Jeremy Rolnick, if he was in the car, he could have <laughs> Garrett Smithley driving him around the track. That's kind of how he got his experience at Mile and a Half. Snape. That's cool. Just, See, I feel like we're learning so much about Garrett Smithley, which is cool. I mean, Jeff can relate. You, can, you guys can both relate to this. You have kids who are racing, and I feel like there are so many young kids who are breaking into NASCAR right now. The more we know about them, the better. I've seen Garrett Smithley in the media center actually introducing himself to reporters during race weekends, and now it's no surprise. I learned he's got this theatrical background. He's obviously very comfortable with the media, and I think this is great. We learn more about these guys and might be who we're talking about on a regular basis in the future. Well, he is from Peachtree City, Georgia, and another Peachtree City resident had well wishes for Smithley. I just want to say congratulations to my buddy Garrett Smithley. Dude, I think it's so cool that you were running your first cup race. When I met you all those years ago at Atlanta Motor Speedway and you told me you were from Peachtree City, my hometown, and you told me you were going to race in cup one day, the fact that you're doing it this weekend in Michigan, I am so proud of you. Uh, you've worked your tail off the whole time and always there with a smile in a sport that you love. Congratulations, buddy.
Also, Rut, now that he's run, running a cup race, it's his hometown. <laughs> it's, no longer, it's no longer your hometown. Now it's his hometown. Yeah, absolutely. Garrett Smithley and Rutledge Wood, right? That's right. That, that works out well, doesn't it? Well, so it may be Garrett Smithley's cup career just beginning this weekend, but Brad Kozlowski already has a Cup Series title in the trophy case. Never afraid to speak his mind, Brad K took to social media to voice his criticism of the tire being used this weekend at Michigan. Next up, we'll show you what he posted and discuss the impact when NASCAR America continues. Seventy-two of the world's best MMA fighters are ready to battle for their share of $10 million. The Professional Fighters League debuts live from New York City tonight, 9 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. 10 million, you're in, Bert, right? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's make it happen. Hey, New Yorkers appreciate a good fight. They also appreciate a good crossword puzzle. For our social pit stop, check this out. 52 across. The clue is NASCAR's Bush or Petty. What is it, Nate? Come on. Uh, it's Kyle. That's right. The answer is Kyle. That was in today's New I York Times Dale. crossword, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you should have the, call, the crossword immediately yeah, like canceled if you say Dale. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't quite work. So. No. Yeah, Kyle. Uh, also in our social media pit stop, a moment that happened right here at NBC Charlotte after the show last night. Dale Jarrett gave this hat to Dale Earnhardt Jr. And why does it mean so much, Nate? It's a really cool story. So 2001 Daytona 500 was the first race with UPS for Dale Jarrett. He had this hat, the first UPS hat in existence. His motorhome is across from Dale Earnhardt's motorhome. He sees that Earnhardt's signing for some VIPs and some sponsor reps. And DJ takes his UPS hat, walks over to Dale Earnhardt's motorhome without Earnhardt realizing who it was and gets him to sign his hat. And then Earnhardt realized, oh, I just signed DJ's UPS hat and kind of a cool moment. DJ gave it to Dale Jr. and he explained it on Twitter today, that whole story. Yeah, how significant is that? And you know Dale Jr. loves history things like that. Well, he does. And, and you know, Dale Jr. has so much respect for Dale Jarrett. And then, right. you know, Dale Jarrett and Dale and Dale's Jr.'s father were, you know, they raced hard against each other, but they they talked a lot. They they were they were pretty close. So that's a that's a pretty cool connection. And I I how he kept that hat that whole time. Like, I think <laughs> he about said he that. had to search I mean, for it for a while, but he I knew mean, he had it somewhere. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. So certainly a special moment. You can tell it out, just even on Twitter how much Dale Earnhardt Jr. appreciates Dale Jarrett. Well, the final stop in our social media pit stop is the one that has everybody talking this week, and it is Brad Keselowski's tweet about the tire choice at Michigan this weekend. You can read the tweet and tell he is not happy because he's one of the ones that, that did the tire test at Michigan. And you can clearly hear him say in this tweet, Nate, that he says, hey, I don't want to be associated with the decision to pick this tire in any way at all. So, Nate, before we get to Jeff's opinion on this tweet, I want to get just give us the background on how a tire test happens. Sure. Who has the power in the decision process and how it really all works. Right. So tire testing happens fairly regularly. And the way it works is Goodyear takes a driver from each manufacturer, and generally there ends up being four drivers at a Goodyear tire test. In this case, it was Kislowski, Alex Bowman, Eric Almirola, Martin Truex Jr. And Goodyear tests several compounds during the course of the session, and after it's over, they consult with NASCAR and the drivers, and then they select a tire compound. And in this case, uh, Goodyear elected to go with a new compound for both the left side and right side tires, right side tire because it runs a little bit cooler than the tire they had. All right, so let's get back to Brad's comments here in a second. I want to know, Jeff, 
Are you fine with what he said? What are, what are your thoughts on what Brad Keselowski had to say about this whole process? Well, listen, Brad, Brad Keselowski wants to be a leader in this sport, and Brad puts a lot of time into trying to make this sport better. And, and I, I want to give him credit for that because some drivers don't. Some drivers are here. They want to get the most out of it, but they don't necessarily want to put a lot of time in to help the sport. Uh, but this kind of, to me, is like unnecessary. I, I don't know what good comes from it. Uh, you know, Brad was there at the test, and he, he drove the car, and he gave his information, and they took the data from, from tire wear, tire heat, all those kind of things, and Goodyear made the decision that they thought was best from a safety standpoint as well as a competition standpoint. Goodyear went there trying to make the tire wear more so you would had fall off in speed, which is what the drivers keep talking about. They want more fall off, so the handling matters, and a car running fifth, all of a sudden his car runs better. That's what the drivers want. Now, whether they achieve that or not, we really won't know until Sunday. So in this case, I don't know what productive came from it. Uh, and and this, gets into the this gets into the conversation of there's times that when, you know, you, you have an internal struggle, just keep it internal. Like, why are we having right. a conversation with the fans about what tire Goodyear picked? Like, I just don't understand that. Because now if I bought a ticket at Michigan, am I thinking, well, should I not bought my ticket? And that's not fair. Like, like. I just, there's sometimes I think that our drivers and our car owners and our crew members and us, everybody involved, uh, you know, maybe let's just focus on the racing. Let's just focus on the racing because, you know, that's really what's great about the sport. And so many times we end up talking about things that really uh, distract from us focusing on the racing. And I think this is a good example of that. Is this something, uh, you know, granted, let's say, you know, five, 10 years ago, this would have been a conversation that was had in the NASCAR hauler. Is this just an advent of social media well, that maybe doesn't need to be aired in the public? So I did my first tire test at South Boston, Virginia, running an Xfinity car. Wasn't a cup driver yet. So 30 years ago, yeah. I did my first tire test. And there's always a juggle between what drivers want versus what Goodyear wants. There's always this juggle. And Goodyear has to make the decision because guess what? It's their name on the side of the tire. <laughs> and and so they do the best job they know how to do. And they don't always get it right. I mean, they don't. Right. And, and there's also the drivers don't always get it right. The drivers sometimes don't see the entire picture. I've been guilty of that. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult process. It's not easy. And there are a lot of factors that go into it. And Goodyear had to make the decision. And it may be the right decision. It may be the wrong decision. I just... I just don't understand what it, what good it does having this conversation in public. I, mean, I just don't understand To that. contextualize it for Michigan, tires have been a topic there before. There's concern since the repave, speeds are just blazing there. Yes. And there was a situation the first race after the repave where Goodyear had to ship in a few thousand extra tires because they had to switch to a different compound because the one they had was falling <laughs> apart after 15 laps. So I'm sure that's on drivers' minds. I'm sure that's on Brad's mind. But to, you know, going back to Jeff's point, I think, not to speak for NASCAR, but speaking to NASCAR officials privately and knowing how they process these things, I think they feel like we have a driver's council for a reason. And there's a, there's a way for you to address problems or issues that you perceive with us behind closed doors. I think there's, they probably, NASCAR officials and track officials would probably say there's more of an avenue, there's more of a platform for you to address these things without going on social media. But to Marty's point, that social media temptation is probably greater than it's ever been. Well, for platforms four. Right? Well, well, and so the problem with and, and this this isn't just about Brad Keselowski. This is about our sport in in whole as we are we've transformed into having drivers councils and the owners association and all those kind of things. Is that um, a conversation gets started? So if we go to Michigan 
and it's a it's not a good race. So if we go to Michigan and something unusual happens, the narrative's already been written. It's because of the tire. And that may not be the fact. It may not be because of the tire. So that's that's my problem with it. I, I just think that uh, you're giving a little bit of information. You know, don't associate my name with this tire test. Like that's that's really pretty that's pretty strong words, right? Like I want nothing to do with this. Don't put my name on it at all. Well, okay. Well, then we might not ask you to do any more tire tests. I mean, and that would go for anybody. You know, if you're going to publicly bash us, then why would Goodyear, who's here to be in the sport, to, and they've been in the sport for a long time, then why are they going to ask you to do it again? I mean, it's kind of those things that. You know, I don't know. I just, I, I think that we spend too much time talking about stuff that has nothing to do with racing. I want to talk, I want to talk about racing. <laughs> I want to talk about the, who's going to win this weekend, what the points are, who's not doing good. That's what racing's about. All this, this stuff behind the scenes. I just, I don't get it. Always an interesting take from the mayor. Is it okay if we talk about some of the greatest moments Let's in Michigan do it. history? Next <laughs> Please. Time, no, because you want to talk about Please. who's going to win this weekend. Coming up, we'll relive some of the great moments at Michigan, including post-race flare-ups, gambles that didn't quite pay off, and exciting finishes down to the wire. The Las Vegas Golden Knights have had an amazing first season and their fans have loved every minute of it. But to keep it going, they must beat the Caps tonight in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. Coverage begins next with NHL Live right here on NBCSN. Hey, from Sin City to the Irish Hills, time now for our top five moments at Michigan. Kind of going back to the top of the show. Where are you in this picture, Burton? Not in the lead. <laughs> Ricky <laughs> Pretty Rudd. far back the way I remember it. Ricky Rudd and Jeff Gordon. Great battle. Rudd led to the start-finish line with a white flag. Gordon with a pass in turn one. Rudd with a move at the end. Not enough. Jeff Gordon gets the victory. Number four, Jimmy Johnson gambled on fuel twice in 2009. Nate, how'd that work out? Not very well. Came up empty both times. He wouldn't win at this track for the first time until five years later. Yes, indeed. That was a really exciting one because Johnson ran out of fuel, then Biffle ran out of fuel, Mark Martin won, and then Brian Vickers won the fall race 2009. Chad Knauss just loved going to Michigan <laughs> okay. for many years, didn't he? You can tell by, the, tell by the look on his face when the shot coming up right after this. Just, oh, get me out of here, right? Great day. Uh, 2006 Xfinity Series. Dale Hart Jr. and Carl Edwards. This one's fun, Jeff. I wish Dale Jr. was here today to have a conversation <laughs> about this because I don't think that Jr. and Carl agreed on what happened in this wreck. See right here? Carl's like, what's going on out here? And look at Jr.'s hand. I took it off. <laughs> I know Carl knew what, what he thought went on and then the uh, the chat about it in victory lane You know, there, you know what Jr.'s saying? He's saying, I got the trophy. <laughs> 2008, Eric Darnell beats... Michigan native Johnny Benson to the line by five one thousandths of a second in a photo finish. Incredible finish. Trucks will race at Michigan in August later this year. And number one, how can you deny this one, Jeff? Oh yeah, this was this was a cool race. Dale Jarrett. This was his first cup win by inches for the Wood Brothers. Beat Davey Allison, of course, Kyle Larson gets his first cup win as well. That earned him a spot in the playoffs. So a lot of big moments coming at Michigan. Up next, it's time to make our fantasy picks for Michigan. I'm sure Kyle Larson in most of our fantasy lineups, right? I believe I know, he's, I know he's in mine. Sure. Who else should get the start and who should you sit this weekend for Michigan? Our picks coming up next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles.
Hey, this day in NASCAR history takes us back to 2015 in Pocono Raceway, where Martin Truex Jr. snapped a 69-race winless streak to earn his first victory in the 78. That was a that was a big surprise that day, it, wasn't it? It was, Mark. I mean, they'd run fairly well to start 2015, but 2014, his first season with Furniture Row was just abysmal. By the way, for uh, for reference, that was his Sunday. It was 15th win in the 78. And a big day for the Burton family on this day in 2013, Jeff. Yeah, Jeb won a truck race in Texas. That was a big day. He, uh, he was been knocking on the door and sitting on poles and took this win. Big day for Jeb. I would assume his dad very happy that day. Uh, by the way, check out our NASCAR Fantasy Live standings. I'm in second, Nate. I, I can get to Dustin Long, can't I? I mean, he's 31 yeah. points away. I may have heard Dustin mention once or twice that <laughs> leading this league and has been thumping everybody for like six weeks. Oh, okay. He's kind of good. Lee Diffie's catching me. He's one point behind. Rick Allen somehow got in the top five this week as well. I, I have to admit, I'm I'm not proud that Lee Diffie and Rick Allen are beating <laughs> myself. And oh, by the way, where are you? Where are you? Oh, you're way down there, Jeff. I see you, 470th. So the hey. truth is, that I only have to beat Nate. Yeah. Oh, I did. It's not like hundred. Yeah, so you know, if an alligator starts chasing you, only got to be as fast as the, <laughs> the slowest guy. It's kind of the same thing. Five hundred and twenty oh, second. I know. You spend enough time in the garage area that you should be better than five hundred twenty second. For a few weeks, I was right there with Dustin, and then I just. You know what I've learned? It's really not my picks. It's the drivers and the crew chiefs that keep messing it up. <laughs> That's right. Well, the drivers keep it's wrecking. Is what you're saying. <laughs> That's what the garage is for, Burton. You got to pay attention, right? In the middle of the race. I do good until it starts to matter. They all qualify well. They all race well, and then something happens. All right, make sure you check out rotoworld.com for all your fantasy help this week. I wouldn't suggest maybe looking at our picks <laughs> for fantasy help, especially not Nate's. We'll start with him first. 522nd. This is what that buys you for this weekend. That's Explain. Right. So I'm following the chalk here, of course. I've got the big three and then Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, former winner at Michigan. However, rotoworld.com, Dan Beaver has a story up in which he is red flagged Kevin Harvick. So I may huh. be moving Harvick out of my lineup. But as Marty said to preface this, don't pay attention to anything I do. You should read Motor World, <laughs> but don't pay attention to my lineup. 522nd. I'll just say that again. Yes. You got Legato yes. in your lineup. I don't, I'm not a sure. A lot of people behind that. him, though. There's a lot of people, a lot of people behind, behind, behind us. All right. You're slightly ahead of him. How do your picks look All this right, weekend? All right. So here's what I've got. I have got race winner. Uh, where did I go race winner? I can't remember everything. Kyle Larson. you got to put him in. You have to put him. <laughs> right. Look at my picks. So how are these not good picks? Race these winner, Kevin Harvick. Is your race winner. And I've got Clint Boyer as my garage driver because I keep thinking that Clint Boyer is that fourth guy that we keep talking about. Who's the fourth guy? And I keep thinking that Clint and his team can will continue to improve. So Blaney, I think, you know, he every week qualifies well. I think he's going to run well. So, I mean, I think all those guys are going to run well. It's just yeah. a matter of are they going to have some kind of If they're not on. shifting at, po at uh, Michigan, I, I think four years That looks very familiar, Jeff, because so. here's my lineup. Same exact lineup as you, except for my garage driver, Eric Jones, this yeah. weekend. I, 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 like I like Eric that. Jones yeah. this weekend. Yeah. I think he's got some speed. I think that team's coming around. I'm going to go with Truex for the race winner just because of what he said earlier in the show. He's kind of mad. He wants to win at Michigan. I think all those are great picks. I Eric Jones, the that. hometown guy. I like that pick. Don't don't take any advice from that. Nate. I got to pass <laughs> Dustin. Now, what bothers me about that is I've shown Dustin my team. Now he can now he can pick and choose. I tell you, right? Dustin just consumes information, and that's why he's number one. He just he's continually processing. That's all right, so nice. yeah, make sure you check out Roto World if you need help for your fancy lineup this weekend. They will do their best to actually help you and get you further ahead in the standings. And maybe you can beat Dustin Long like we all want to beat Dustin Long. So as we're battling for bragging rights in our fantasy league, drivers are racing each other not only for the championship, but also 
cool trophies each week. Coming up next, Nate takes a look at some of those trophies and what exactly makes them so special. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Catherine Tappan in Las Vegas coming up at the top of the hour. It's NHL Live from Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. Can the Golden Knights stay alive down three games to one? And NASCAR fans, you're going to want to see this. Our very own Jeremy Roenick got behind the wheel at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Yep, he did it. Join us for a jam-packed two hours of pregame starting at 6 Eastern. We will see you then. But for now, back to NASCAR America. Can't wait. Catherine and NHL Live coming up next. What do you think JR's time was around the Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Top speed 125-ish? No, he's faster than that. Okay. Yeah, he was faster. JR's a man. JR's a man. He's a stud on the golf course, too. So, hey, tonight the Caps are one win away from winning one of the most iconic trophies in all of sports, the Stanley Cup. And that got us thinking about some of the most impressive trophies in NASCAR. Nate gives us a closer look. We hear drivers say it all the time. They'd race only for the trophies. I wanted to win this grandfather clock so bad. Well, I always wanted one for myself. It's such a cool place to win because, I mean, they, they give you a whole bunch of stuff. I got, I got a cool green. This is just uh, awesome. Of course, they mean the glory that these ornately crafted mementos represent. But as a physical manifestation of the blood, sweat, and tears needed for a win, the race trophies of NASCAR can be a sweet reward. Some are simple but imposing like an eight-foot reminder that it was a driver's time to reach victory lane. The long wait to return is over. Clint Boyer is going back to victory lane. Some are intimidating in ways that are both cartoonish and a little too real. Some have animal instincts. Some are legendary building blocks. They have been a little bit country, and a little bit rock and roll. Oh, he's gonna do it! The guitar! Others are goofy, or garish, or just plain loud, or potentially dangerous. But the best NASCAR trophies are reflective of the stature their races represent. 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. Dale Earnhardt will come to the caution flag to win the Daytona 500. The Daytona 500's Harley J. Earl trophy is heavy hardware, for a race with a hefty legacy, immortalized with the name of every winner etched on its black base. He'll add his name to the legends that have won at Darlington. Darlington's four-tiered Johnny Mance Trophy, named after the track's first winner, has the engraved name and mug of every winner of the Southern 500. It might be the NASCAR answer to Indianapolis's Borg Warner Trophy, or Lord Stanley's Cup. Each is their own special way of conveying to us the immortality of winning a major event. It comes with a permanent reminder of the reason they all play. In a way, it is just for the trophies. Excellent job, Nate. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. Coolest trophy in your uh, in your catalog. I, I got chills. That, that that was that was really cool. Um, so. I have the most unique Southern 500 trophy, and to me, winning the Southern 500 is—I mean, that's here. Like, yeah. I, I just think that's the biggest race. And and don't write me letters, tell me Daytona 5. I get it, but I, I, Southern 500, 
because to me that's that's the granddaddy. And and I won the 50th Southern 500, so so I have a very unique wow. Southern 500 trophy. It has the it has the uh, the f models of the first car that ever won, the mm -hmm. first pace car. So it's the only one ever made. Wow. And it's it's the 50th fiftieth Southern 500 trophy, and that thing is, that's pretty special. That is certainly pretty cool. Great job by you, Nate. Hey, by the way, since the Stanley Cup game tonight is in Las Vegas and Delaware has just legalized gambling, we thought we would come up with some cool prop bets for this weekend. Want to see what you guys think about these prop bets. All right, number one, what is the first pit road penalty in Sunday's race at Michigan? Denny Hamlin. No, the first oh. penalty. <laughs> Uncontrolled tire. Speaking <laughs> of Denny Hamlin, how many speeding penalties does he get? Over, under, under, five. Under, under, yes. under. Under, yeah, under. He, he would nice. only get one. He wouldn't get two. Be nice. All right, okay. And Chase Elliott's post-race presser, will he say the phrase, I'm sorry for my guys, yes or no? Yes, because we're not picking him to win, right? <laughs> no? Yes? No, no, okay. no, no, no. All right, all right. <laughs> Which Michigan-born driver will have the better finish, Brad Keselowski or Eric Ooh, Jones? Good That's one. a good one. That's, That's a good, good one. one. I'm going to go with Brad, well. though. I'm going to go with Brad. Nothing, Nate? Oh, yeah. I'll go with Brad. <laughs> okay. Uh, number of sponsor mentions in Victory Lane and the interview over under 5.5. Over by a mile. Over. Over, over by over. a mile. Really? I was yeah, going to yeah. go under on that over one. Over by a mile. Because we're reading the card and you got to get it all in, right? Over by a mile. Okay. Number of beer tweet mentions in the interviews this weekend from Clint Boyer. Over under 3.5 on that one. So the Michigan infield gets pretty rowdy. <laughs> so I'm going to go like over. I'm going to go over. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Highest finisher from the big three, Harvick, Truex, or Kyle Busch? I'll take Truex. Okay. I'll, I'm going to take, take, take Kyle. I'm going to take Kyle. Uh, no, by the no, way, no, real take, quick. I'm, I'm going to take Harvick. I'm going to take Harvick. Okay, I'm changing, cool. I'm changing. Right, change your mind. All right, you're allowed to do that. By the way, real quick, Nate, some news. You in, in investigating everything this week, you found out Michigan ran the tire dragon around the racetrack, they right? Did. Where did they've they been, run it? They've been running it uh, pretty much outside Groove to uh, get multi-lane racing there. They're doing it since June 1st, so we'll see if it has an impact this weekend. And, and it, that track does. I mean, since they've repaved it, Jeff, it does need a little, maybe a half more Groove, right? Yeah, yeah, it used to be you could run, you know, pretty far up the racetrack, and since the repave, that's been hard to do. So, you know, Kudos to the track for running that tire dragon to try to get some rubber laid down on upper groove. I forgot one prop bet. Which of you finishes higher in our fantasy in a couple weeks? So <laughs> Definitely this guy. <laughs> Jeff, I would Jeff, never bet you're on not myself catch on him, that mate? one. No way. Come on. All right, that's going to do it for today's NASCAR America. We'll be back Monday, 5 Eastern, with a full recap from Michigan. Will the Caps raise the Stanley Cup tonight, or can the Golden Knights force a game six? NHL Live starts right now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.